If you have your Bibles, please turn to um, Psalm 44. I want to share with you some devotional thoughts I had out of my personal devotional time this week. Psalm 44, 1 through 8. Um, Lord, I thank you for these songs that you give us in the Old Testament. I thank you that though they were written centuries ago, um, they are words for us. Uh, Lord, we sing these songs to you. We offer this prayer to you. Hear our prayer and strengthen our hearts for your glory. I pray through Christ. Amen. Now, Psalm 44 is one of those psalms that we don't know exactly when it was written. We don't know exactly who wrote it, but it's not hard to imagine what the psalmist was thinking as he penned these words. O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. You, with your own hand, drove out the nations. Then you planted them. You afflicted the peoples, the bad guys. Then you spread them abroad. Can't you imagine the psalmist, one of the children of Abraham, reflecting on the history of Israel and God's work with Israel and just being amazed at all God had accomplished in the past, at his mighty works in past generations. It's not hard for him to imagine that, thinking about, you know, there was a time when Israel was not a nation and God came to Abraham and said to Abraham, this Bedouin shepherd in southern Iraq, basically, hey, you follow me to this place you've never been before, and I will make you a great name. I'll give you a great nation. I'll make you a blessing to all people. And God took this man and a few people, and he turned them into a great nation. He really did answer that prayer. He really did give them the promised land. God, you've done amazing things in the past the psalmist would think. We can call this place home. Then he would recall a time, perhaps, when the people of Israel were absolutely powerless as slaves in Egypt. Humiliated, helpless, hopeless, except God was on their side. And God provided a leader in Moses. And God miraculously freed them from Egypt, miraculously led them through the Red Sea, miraculously provided for them in the wilderness, miraculously then led them to the very um, um, doorway of the promised land. God, you've done so much. You have taken us, just a handful of people that went into Egypt and you made us into this great nation of hundreds of thousands, millions. You've given us a lie. You've made us a people. You've made us, oh Lord, you've done, what you have done in the past is awe-inspiring. And then he thinks, and then God delivered the promised land to us. He remembers the time of when the people came to the edge of the promised land and there were giants in the land. I mean, there, when they came to the promised land, there were strong cities. The Canaanites were no people to mess with. 
their cities of Megiddo and Hatzor and 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 Jericho and I mean those were those were mighty cities to have to take on and yet God called his people to follow and those cities that were well fortified saw their walls came crumbling down the cities fell the kings were brought to their knees before God. The psalmist reviews the history of Israel and can think of all of these stories that he's heard that they've that he that he's heard from his father and grandfather and mother and grandmother, all these victories that God has given in the past, and now he sits. I imagine perhaps that he is David sitting on a hill in in Bethlehem. Because from there he can see all the way across the Dead Sea to where the people of Israel waited before they crossed and came over to Jericho. From there, he can see to Mount Moriah, to to Mount Zion, to the city where uh, Jerusalem sits. To the south, he can see the Judean wilderness. To the north, he can see Philistine country, Gath, country where, where Goliath and his people are. He can look all around him, east, west, north, south, and he remembers it is a great God who led in the past, who has led us to take this land, has given us this land to be his people. What heroics God accomplished through ordinary people. And so he writes, Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. Do you ever do that, by the way? You ever read the Bible and see the great works that God has done through people in the past, like Moses and David and you know, and 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 the the the, the disciples? Or maybe you read about um, you know, this new fledgling church getting started in Rome and how it is opposed by everybody in power, and yet God takes these scallywags and turns the world upside down. Do you ever look to the past and see how corrupt the world has been in past times? And then God raises up people like Tyndall and Huss and Savonarola, Luther, Calvin. Literally, the world is never the same because of the people that he chose to use in the past. God doesn't just change the church through them. He changes not just the world of their time, but even flowing down to our time. Do you think of the spiritual darkness of the 18th century? If you're aware of just how spiritually dark those times were, and then God raised up a George Whitfield and a Jonathan Edwards and others. See, it's not hard to reflect on history and see the powerful works that God has done in the past through earlier generations and think, man, gosh, I wish you would do it today. You know, God, I believe how you were able to do those things in the past in Israel through Christians in the past, the early church in the past, through the reformers in the past, through the great awakening leaders in the past. But Lord, I don't know. It's, I just think, can you do it today? Can you do it again through us? I wonder if that's also what the psalmist thought. God, I know you did those things in the past with the people of Israel. Can you do it now through us? Verse three, 
for by their own sword, they did not possess the land. See, he's, he's realizing. And their own arm did not save them. But your right hand, your arm, in the light of your presence, for you favored them. Before the psalmist can get discouraged, he says, slow down, my soul. Those great victories in the past were not won because those were great people. They were won because God's arm was strength, strong. Those victories were not winnable because the foes that they faced were easy foes, were small and um, and, and not, not um, uh, imposing. Oh, no, no, they were won because God was greater than the foes. They weren't saved by their own greatness. They were saved by God's greatness, God's presence, God's favor. And so he looks at himself in his own day in Psalm 44, verse 4, says, You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you, we will push back our adversaries. Through your name, we will trample down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor will my sword save me. Isn't that great? What do you trust in? What do we trust in? I'll be honest with you. When I look at the challenges around me so often, I think uh, I'll trust in my abilities. I'll trust in my ability to argue. I'll trust in my ability to persuade. I'll trust in you know, in my ability to reach a certain number of people. Uh, the song says, no, no, I'm not going to trust in my bow. I'm not going to trust in the sword to save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries. You have put to shame those who hate us. See, I don't know how God does that. He does it different every time. That's the thing. I don't know how God's going to do it today, but I do know that he will and he can. In God, we have boasted all day long, verse 8. And we will give thanks to your name forever. Thomas said, Lord, our confidence is in you and nothing else. Now, I'm sure as the psalmist makes that statement, he's like you and I. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But that is his prayer. Because deep down beneath his doubt is a greater faith. God, my trust is in you. You command every victory for your people, every victory over Egypt, every victory over the Canaanites. You bought victory, not Moses, not Jacob. And today you will bring victory, not us, not our abilities, not our strengths. You will make our adversaries retreat in defeat. You will trample every uprising against you. The only question is, God, what, do you, what would you have us to do? What is our role in this? Do we need to pray more? Do we need to obey? What do you want us to do? So forgive me, Lord, because I get discouraged, I think to myself. See, the enemies in those days, I think we're not as great as the enemies in our day. The troubles in their times were great, but not as difficult, not as hard to overcome as in our times. Those people in those days were far superior opponents than those that we are trying to to overcome in our day. Lord, we know better. Our trust is not in our bow or in our sword. Our trust is in your great power. The evil opposed to you today does cause us fear. 
Lord, we confess we feel overmatched. But evil today is just like evil 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. It is no match for the Lord of hosts. So Lord, save us from our adversaries, I pray. In our day, just as you saved your people from Egypt, from the Canaanites, just as you saved your people during the great reformation and the great awakening. Verse eight, in God, we have boasted all day long and we will give thanks to your name forever. Lord, when you give the victory, we will give you the praise. The challenge of Psalm 44 is for us to review the history of God's work and to place our faith in him today because he can do his will. So where are you struggling? You know that God's provided financially in the past. Can you trust him to provide financially where you're struggling today? Maybe it's with children. You know that God has provided for, for his children in the past, for parents to be good parents and, and parents to pray for their kids and, and their kids have turned to him. God, we trust you with our kids today. Maybe some vexing problem. Maybe some miracle you need. Have you come to that place where you've thought, unless God answers a prayer here, I don't know how we get past this. God, you're going to have to make the change. You're going to have to make it happen. Let's be honest. Morally, we think that we live in dark days and the hostility toward Christians is probably greater in the United States than it has been at any time in our history since the pilgrims first set foot in the New England states. And it's easy to get discouraged and to think these are the end times. Things are so bad, it's hopeless. Jesus has got to, I mean, the only way forward is for Jesus to return because even Jesus can't redeem, even Jesus can't change our world today. The only way that he's going to change it is by destroying it all. Well, Jesus may come back and I sure hope he does. Maybe he'll, he'll return today. But even if he doesn't, we don't lose hope because we know that God is greater. We know that God has done greater things through imperfect people in the history of the world. And so our trust is not in bows and swords, but in the God who saves his people from their adversaries and puts to shame those who hate him. Recently, we've seen the work being done by God in the Asbury Seminary revival. We see God stirring up things through things like the Jesus movie. I don't think it's any coincidence that these two events happened at the same time. The Jesus movie, the story of Greg Laurie and the Jesus movement of the hippie movement of the 70s. We see God at work in television shows like The Chosen. Where's all this going to lead? I don't know. We may not know for a couple of years. Should the Lord tarry, but I do know this, God is at work and God always wins. And you and I want to be part of the party. We want to be part of the victory. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. God, God, make us part of your victory. Help us to, I thank you, Lord, for how you encourage us to look to the past, to see the great adversaries of you and your great power to see the imperfect people that you used because those are the only ones you have available. 
and how you use them for your glory. And so, Lord, we offer you our lives as imperfect people in times when if you are not for us, we will not lose. We will not win. If you do not fight for us, we will not win. But Lord, if you tell us to go, we will go. And help us to, when you tell us to, say, to speak, that we will speak. That we will be your church, that you would do something powerful for your glory. Through Christ I pray. Amen.